Hello, I'm Dr. Parni Chima. I'm a medical oncologist at the Willie Mosler Health System, where I'm also medical director. Um, I'm joined here today with Dr. Norman Blay. We've attended the 2022 ASCO meeting this year that took place from June 3rd to June 7, 2022. There's a series of pro podcasts that we put together that are focusing on subtypes of non-small cell lung cancer with these emerging targets. Um, for this session for the podcast, we're going to be focusing on MET exon 14 skipping. I'm with Dr. Norman Blay, who's a medical oncologist, oncologist, and director of the interdisciplinary thoracic oncology, oncology team at SHUM in Montreal, who will summarize the highlights of an interesting abstract presented at the meeting entitled Amivantanab in patients with non-small cell lung cancer with MedExon 14 skipping mutation, updated results from the Chrysala study. So Dr. Blake, can you tell us a little bit about this trial, um, the mutation, and what did you find interesting about it? Uh, well, thank you uh, for the introduction, Parneet. Uh, AXCO uh, 2020 uh, was really great because we got to uh, go to Chicago and renew the tradition of being at a live meeting. And, and it was great to see colleagues, uh, great to see uh, many people that uh, we hadn't seen for uh, over two years. Uh, so um, I was interested in this abstract uh, because Medexon 14 is, is a mutation that is found in 2 to 3% of our um, uh, lung cancer patients. There is a small um, predisposition to find these mutations in adenocarcinoma, but we can also find them um, in, non in, in, in squamous histologies. So uh, this is one of the mutations that gives us the added uh, motivation to screen for NGS in all our patients with adenocarcinoma, irrespective of histology. And in our Canadian guidelines uh, that Dr. Shima um, um, very nicely uh, presided, uh, we came up with a suggestion that uh, from now on, it would be recommended that all our patients with non-small cell lung cancer be screened for NGS, uh, non-regarding uh, histology. So Menexon 14 mutations is a series of different mutations uh, that are intronic. So in a very large segment of this gene, uh, and the result of those mutations is the actual deletion of the exon 20 gene uh, of MET. Uh, MET is a receptor uh, with tyrosine kinase activities, and uh, the uh, MET uh, gene, the MET protein without the exon 20, uh, is more um, readily in the activated state, uh, which gives it um, pro-neoplastic uh, capabilities. And obviously, uh, targeting this protein uh, can potentially help us treat these patients with this very specific mutation. Uh, amivantamab is well known to many of us that treat uh, non-small cell lung cancer because we've demonstrated uh, that this uh, antibody uh, can target EGFR and MET. So it's been used uh, to treat EGFR um, mutated patients, and it's been particularly shown to be useful uh, in the uh, unmet need uh, situation of patients with uh, exon 20 uh, insertion mutations of the EGFR gene. Uh, so here we uh, are looking at the activity of this uh, bispecific antibody 
uh, against met uh, exam 14 skipping deletion populations. Uh, so um, we know that there are already two approved um, molecules in Canada, which are uh, oral uh, tyrosine kinase inhibitors. Uh, so these oral agents uh, called capnapnib and tapatnib have already been shown to be useful in this met exam 14 population with response rates averaging 40 to 50%. Uh, and these uh, patients that were treated were uh, essentially naive to other uh, MET uh, inhibitors. So in a study population that has been treated with chemo or immunotherapy, uh, these small molecules can really be helpful in about half of the patients that are treated uh, with these agents. So they've been approved based on phase two uh, studies uh, with response rates that are in the uh, range that I've previously mentioned and a duration of response that's in the uh, 12 to 18 month range. So that's the setting where amivantamab has been studied. Uh, Chrysalis has been a broad study covering many different patient populations. Uh, we're describing today 55 patients that have been treated in the uh, MET specific cohort uh, in a dose expansion uh, um, study. So uh, the investigators um, presented the data of these 55 patients based on different characteristics. They separated patients that were treated naive from patients that were previously treated but never treated with MET inhibitors. And this is the first time we see uh, a presentation of a cohort of patients that have been previously treated with MET inhibitors. So nine patients were treatment naive, 18 patients were uh, previously treated but without MET inhibitors, and uh, 28 patients had been previously treated uh, with MET inhibitors. So that's quite unique of this presentation. And in terms of response rates, well, we saw activity of this agent. Uh, for patients that had never been treated with MET inhibitors before, uh, we saw responses in 11 out of 22 patients, so a response rate of 50%, which is well in the range of other uh, molecules that have been shown active in this um, uh, population. And we also see responses in patients that have been previously treated with MET inhibitors, although uh, the response rate was lower at 17%. Uh, the responses were durable. Uh, the pr progression-free survival is shorter than duration of response, obviously, because uh, some patients do not respond. Uh, the duration of response is not uh, available yet because the uh, follow-up of these patients was quite short. Uh, so we will get, be getting uh, long-term activity uh, of this uh, agent further down the road, but uh, already we see promising um, uh, activity. In terms of the safety profile, uh, we were shown the um, toxicity profile in the whole study population treated with amivantamab. We had seen this before. It was reported when the um, study population with EGFR mutations were presented. And this molecule has the added toxicity of having anti-EGFR uh, um, toxicity, so rash and diarrhea. Uh, which is an issue, as well as infusion-related reactions that were seen in 67% of patients. So that's something to be aware of when uh, we're using this molecule. So in terms of a conclusion, uh, this uh, drug was shown to be uh, promising with a response rate of 50% in patients without prior MET uh, inhibitor exposition. Uh, the safety profile is consistent with what we know of this molecule 
and long-term long uh, data will be uh, shown in later meetings. So when we compare amivantamab with tepatinib and capnatinib, uh, we don't see very different uh, differences in activities with response rates in the treatment-naive population of around 60 uh, to up to 68% in, in uh, capnatinib. And a capnatinib uh, subpopulation. Uh, the um, adverse events are mostly related to MET inhibition with the small uh, tyrosine kinase inhibitors, so edema, uh, hypoalbuminemia, increased creatinine, whereas amivantamab has the added toxicity of AGFR inhibition, so that might be an issue uh, in terms of uh, selecting um, uh, a first-line uh, treatment for these patients. Um, obviously, the um, every two-week infusion uh, for amivantamab uh, is, is potentially restrictive, especially in a setting, in a Canadian setting, where we have more difficult access now to the chemotherapy suite. So oral agents might be preferable. Uh, for most patients when we, when we have to choose between these different agents. But it's really nice to have an added uh, option for this patient. So um, in terms of uh, the Canadian perspective of this uh, agent, well, it's one uh, new agent that we can add to the list that we already have for these patients. Uh, the drug has not been compared to the other patients, so we don't know if there's a particular patient population that would respond more favorably to uh, the extracellular antibody compared to a TKI. Um, amivantamab has been shown to be active in some patients that were previously treated uh, with a TKI, so could it be uh, useful in the setting of um, first, um, first treatment failure with a TKI, so that's something uh, that will be potentially asked as a question further down the road. That was an excellent overview, Dr. Blay, about um, uh, amivantanab. It's, it's pretty exciting that we have many treatment options now, potentially for our patients. I think this just highlights that we have two approved therapies now for Medexon 14 skipping, that really it's standard of care to test for, for this uh, fusion, uh, or sorry, these, uh, these mutations. Um, and I think in the future, we're even looking at now potentially sequencing with some of the data that's come out. So um, thank you for that information. Thank you so much for presenting the abstract. And I thank the audience for joining.